Great to see everybody. Let me get this off for a moment. This is one of the free mask zones, I guess, up here. Good to see you on this Wednesday. Thanks for being in chapel, um, being alive, being here. And uh, it's all volunteer this uh, semester, and we just so appreciate it. Uh, it's just uh, joy beyond joys to have this guest with us. Now, every year, every semester, we have someone who is the chair of the Moen uh, Pentecostal Preaching Chair. So M-O-E-N, Moen. Ernie Moen is the man that it's named after. He passed away several years ago. He was the former superintendent of Illinois. And his family gave the school uh, an endowed gift. I think it was a $100,000 endowed gift that you put into an account. Then the interest every year on that afforded us to bring in a world-class guest uh, speaker for not simply as a guest specialist in our classes uh, in the area of, of uh, preaching and leadership, but also they would speak in chapel three times. Back in 2004, I was the Moen chair here, one of the first ones. I think I was the third year that they did it. And so every year we brought in some phenomenal, phenomenal leaders. And so this year, this semester in COVID, uh, I called upon someone from my youth group uh, from, uh, from back in the 1900s, back in 1980. Um, um, I was the youth pastor in San Jose. This kid walks in from, um, from uh, Ohio. Big, buff, good-looking, super skinny, male model. Uh, and I'm joking, I, sh I should have put the picture up here. He was in a calendar one time as a male model, true story, climbing a mountain. Uh, I got the photo if you want to see it. And Gene was a phenomenal leader, uh, loved the Lord, high school student, football player, Los Gatos High School in San Jose. And I just uh, was drawn to this young man's heart and life when he was just a teenager. I've watched his career. He married the pastor's daughter, which is frightening to do. And that was Charles Crabtree, the man who was here when I got inaugurated, who just passed away. He married his daughter. And they've had a phenomenal career in the kingdom. Youth pastors, pastors, leaders, uh, mega church, church plan. I mean, he's done it all. Now he's the superintendent of the Rocky Mountain District. So he oversees all of the Assembly God pastors in Colorado and Utah and is their leader. And God has raised him up in a great way. When you live long enough to see someone in your youth group, first of all, go to Bible college is cool, become a youth pastor is cool. Then they become a pastor. Now you're feeling like, man, I'm old enough that they're a pastor. Then become a district superintendent. You know that you've passed through some irreversible portal in life uh, that I'm never going to go back. So seeing him as a district superintendent is pretty bizarre. But he's one of the great leaders in this country. I don't know anybody who works harder than Gene Roncone. And we're honored to have him. And this is a notable leader in America and for the kingdom. Gene, here's a little swag bag for you full of some cool stuff. That's yours. Can we welcome Gene Roncone, superintendent of the Rocky Mountain District, to speak? Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, it is uh, so good to be here. This is uh, our last trip, and uh, I have just loved... Uh, the learning culture that is here. Uh, the students that I've met have been so hungry and eager to learn. You guys are amazing. Uh, your, your president gave me, a, I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know where he's going when he started talking about a calendar. I'm like, oh man. But I got to tell you, you are so gifted. 
Um, I have watched Scott's life and ministry for decades, and uh, he has a gift of faith. He has a gift of leadership. You are blessed. Will you let your president know how much you love him? And So this morning, I want to pick up where I left off a month ago. If you remember, I was with you a month ago, and I, I want to talk about what it means to be a spirit-filled leader in your working gloves. Now, in our last visit, I spoke to you about the need to be spirit-driven. I told you that the Holy Spirit was the hot red resource for relevance in ministry today. I pulled you back to a New Testament narrative in Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 30. And if you remember those of you that were here, I spoke about how the early church had a prophetic word from the prophet Agabus that a famine was going to come, and it didn't come till a year later. But the early church started preparing as a result of that spirit-driven word. And when the famine came... They didn't have to be an expert in famines. They didn't, they didn't have to go learn and study. They didn't need a committee. They were immediately relevant, not because they were smart, not because they were brilliant, but because the Holy Spirit quickened them a year before to prepare. Now, in that time, I told you that I believe that God was going to do the same thing with you, that, that, that sometimes in this culture, there is a pressure for us in ministry and those, whether it's you're in the workforce or ministry, that you've got to be woke, you've got to be hip, you've got to be relevant. But I want to tell you today that the most red-hot resource you have for relevance is the Holy Spirit. Now, last time I was here, we talked about four reasons why, and I want to cover those real quick before I move into uh, that passage again. You remember last time we learned that we need the Holy Spirit because challenges in our life can be overwhelming. This famine was bigger than them. You're going to face things in your life and your ministry that are bigger than you, and you need to be driven by a Holy Spirit relevance and not just trying to be socially woke or hip with the culture. Secondly, you remember, I talked to you about that needs are unpredictable. That you and I have a lot of blind corners in life, and we don't know what's around the bend. But the early church was able to respond because of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, I told you that, re that revelation always needs application. How many of you know that the moving of the Holy Spirit was not meant for this room? I mean, it's great when it happens here, but when the Holy Spirit spoke to the early church and then it says they started preparing and gathering resources for this famine, now there was feet to the revelation of God that ended up changing culture. The last thing I told you when I was with you last time is that, that strategy is powerless. That, that Paul was not, Paul was doing something else when the Holy Spirit spoke to him. They were not expecting Agabus. It says he was passing through from Jerusalem. Uh, they, they, were, they were headed doing ministry like always, but suddenly God interrupted them with something they had not planned. And our strategy, absent from the Spirit of God, will only bring you and I to snap our jousting stick on the wall of this world's indifference. So now what I want to talk to you about today, I want to return to the scripture, and I want to talk to you about the how. Everybody say the how. What does being a spirit-driven leader look like, and how do we posture ourselves so that when the spirit speaks, we hear, and, and because of that, 
we are relevant to our culture. I'm going to return to the, uh, to the passage this morning. I'll read it to you real quick. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 30. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus and took Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church taught great and taught great numbers of people. Now stop right there. Paul is doing what God told him to do. He's doing the church thing. But all of a sudden, with no notice, the Holy Spirit drops something in their heart that will make them relevant a year later. Stay with me. It says, The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch, and during this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. He stood up and through the Spirit. Can you say that with me? Say, through the Spirit. We're going somewhere. Not, not through, through famine relief study. It doesn't say not through metrics and big data. It doesn't say not by the latest seminar. Totally unexpected, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29, the disciples, each according to their ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts through the elders of Barnabas and Saul. So now Barnabas and Saul, they're doing the church thing. The Holy Spirit speaks about something that's going to happen a year later. For the first time, this is the first reference in the New Testament where the church is missional. This is the first reference where they reach out to something other than their needs in their community of faith. Now we have references earlier of them helping the poor and the widows among their community. But this is the first reference where the church of Jesus Christ becomes missional and sees outside. And their success 100% is because the Holy Spirit dropped in their heart what was going to happen. Now, I I love being a Spirit-filled Christian. How many of you know we've had lots of ought-to sermons? We love ought-to sermons, right? But today I want to talk to you about the how-to. I I mean, the how almost seems like about being Spirit-driven as a leader. It seems like this liquid form that varies by the uniqueness of each leader. But, But I do see some keys in this passage that can help you and I navigate into the future and be relevant to our culture because the Holy Spirit is leading us. So I want to talk to you about four things very quickly. Number one, you have to learn now to sustain a sensitivity of the Holy Spirit through your life. Not not like one month where you're pressing in. I'm saying sustaining it through your ministry. Secondly, we've got to be willing to embrace interruptions if we're going to be led by the Spirit. Thirdly, we've got to understand that we have to enlarge our perspective. For the first time, the early church had to realize God's will was for them to reach out beyond their community of faith, beyond Antioch, beyond their church. And lastly... I want you to see that you've got to guard dependencies. You are now in the early phases of your ministry. You are determining things that you lean on, things that you depend on. In the the beginning of that, it's exciting and it's fun, but I'm going to tell you, you can't lean on them more than you lean on the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you firstly about the need to sustain a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That's the first how. Uh, I'm going to to name out some songs and... um, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see how, how connected you guys are with some previous. Uh, I'm going to name out a song, and if you, 
if you remember that song or know that song or have heard that song, I want you to clap, okay? I don't want like one of these wimpy COVID claps. I want like a clap. Let's do a test. Go ahead and clap. Let me hear you. All right, good, good. Macarena. Really? Wow. Okay, who let the dogs out? All right. Eye of the Tiger. No way. Oh, my gosh. Don't worry, be happy by Bug. Wow, I'm impressed. I mean, uh, some of you weren't even born yet when those came out. You know, every one of those songs has one thing in common. Everyone was a one-hit wonder. We never heard of those artists after that. They walked off the pages of history. And with some of us, that's how we are with being led by the Spirit of God. We're a one-hit wonder that we remember at one time in our life or one season of our life where we're pressing into God. But, but I want you to know something, that God wants you to have this sustainability throughout your whole life. We don't know a lot about Agabus. He's mentioned two times in Scripture, Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 21. The first mention is right here where he tells the church, a famine's coming, prepare for it. Church historians now tell us that that famine happened about a year later. It was, a, it was an international famine. It affected everybody. It affected, it, it affected people's crops and food and homelessness. And, and, and you know the whole domino effect there. But then we hear about him again in Acts chapter 21, verse 10 and 11, when he prophesies that Saul's going to be arrested. Now what's the point? There's 13 years between that time frame. 13 years, and Agabus is still hearing from God. He is still sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He is still speaking prophetically. When it comes to remaining sensitivity to the Spirit, you and I have to have longevity in our life. Now, there is a difference between a sensitivity of the Spirit and a sensitivity to the Spirit. A sensitivity of the Spirit is you being aware of the Spirit's, of the Spirit's feelings. We, the Bible talks about being aware the Spirit was grieved. When you, when you have a sensitivity of the Spirit, you know when the Spirit is pleased, when the Spirit is, is confirming, or when the Spirit is grieved. But a sensitivity to the Spirit is being attuned to the spiritual activity that's happening around you. And some of us, we get so busy with life and our goals and our passions, we wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if He smacked us in the back of the head. So, like Paul, Agabus was one who heard the Spirit when he spoke. He recognized the Spirit when he moved. He identified the Spirit in his acts. And as a result, the early church was relevant not because they studied famine. Not, there wouldn't even been enough time to prepare a degree in famine relief. But the Holy Spirit spoke to the church a year before. And because one man remained sensitive his whole entire ministry... The church was red, hot, relevant. Now, do you, think, do you think when they started handing out supplies that people go, oh, man, I don't want that food. That guy's not wearing skinny jeans. He's got no tats. No. Man, they were, they were instantaneously relevant at that moment. So how do we do that? Let me give you a couple things uh, on this first point of sustaining sensitivity. Number one, you've got to remain open to the supernatural in your ministry. 
I, I shared uh, with a class yesterday on how to pastor the supernatural when, when you're leading in a church service or in a community of faith. And, and I got to tell you, I'm, man, man, the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. How many of you know the Holy Spirit <laughs> has his own agenda? Have you never known that? But I'm going to tell you the greatest moments, the unforgettable places that God has taken me have always been unpredictable. And so you've got to understand that you've got to be open. Secondly, you've got to, you've got to listen. Man, can I, uh, can I share with you that, that I, I, I'm struggling right now praying through whether this, whether this smartphone is helping me or hurting me. Man, uh, hundreds of texts and emails and phone calls throughout a couple of days. And, and, and if I'm not careful, I start listening to the clamor of life instead of the voice of the Spirit. I want to tell you to stay soft in your heart. Your heart must always be a place of repentance and confession before God. Resist spiritual hardeners like bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And, and i got to tell you, if, there's, if there is two things in your life that will dull your ability to hear the Holy Spirit, it is unnecessary conflict and drama. And so make your heart soft. Stay engaged. Participate in spiritual things. Get away. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Stay tuned. Keep your motives in check through things like prayer and, and Bible reading. But, but lastly, listen to me. Stay accountable. Can you say accountable? You know, there are times that I have thought pastoring for over 30 years, man, ministry would be so awesome if it just wasn't for God's people. Have you ever felt that way? If you haven't, you will. Don't worry. It's coming. And, and you know, it's difficult at times when people push back against vision. Or, or, or they, they carry their baggage. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm convinced today that in my ministry, there are times God did not give me what I wanted for no other reason to keep me humble. And a lot of ministers are used to getting their way all the time. And there's nothing that will dull your receptivity to the Holy Spirit than having your own agenda on the top of the pile. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to sustain a sensitivity. The next thing we've got to do is, is we've, got to, we've got to embrace interruptions. Now there's something about this passage you cannot ignore. Paul was not looking for Agabus. He and Barnabas were, were, were planning churches and preaching in a local church. They were raising up leaders, but the Spirit of God interrupted. He broke in. He disrupted the routine of their life. And I want to tell you that some of the most incredible God moments in your life and your ministry are going to be interruptions. They're going to be things that God quickens your heart to in a moment. It shouldn't surprise us. John chapter 3, verse 8 says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound and you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Celtic Christians have a term for the Holy Spirit. They call it the wild goose. And the reason they call it the wild goose is because the name hints that the Holy Spirit is much like a wild goose that can't be tamed or, or tracked. It has a mind of its own. The promptings of God's Spirit and your life can sometimes be and look like pointless interruptions. 
But if you're willing to submit and follow the Holy Spirit, He will take you places that you have never imagined through paths you never could have dreamed of. Now listen to this. God's will for Paul's future and the coming drought and famine was not discovered in a planning meeting. It was through the normal routines of interruptions in his life. Paul's passion for church planting did not lead him to obedience in this famine. Paul's passion did not bring him there. It was an interruption. i got to think you and I have to be open in our lives to let the Holy Spirit take us on detours. I was reading a leadership book the other day for believers, and, and something in my heart just was grieved, and the, the book was talking about the importance of having so much focus that you determine who you communicate with, that you just decide you're not going to be good at email, you're not going to answer every email, that, that some people, if they're from outside of your circles and they want something from you, just ignore that email and you'll be more productive. i got to tell you, that grieved my heart. Because what if Paul would have had that mentality when Agabus came down and prophesied about the famine? What if Paul would have said, you know, Agabus, we're kind of doing our thing here, man. God bless you. We release you. We rush you. But go, you know, what if he would have looked at that interruption as something that wasn't part of his focus? So I want to tell you, look at every single interruption in your life and say, God, what is it that you have me here for? Why am I at this place, at this time, at this moment? Be flexible. Paul's passions, as noble as they were for church planning, did not lead him to obedience in being a key person in mobilizing this relief. But be careful of focus. There's places that God is going to take you. I've talked to you about two things. I need to move on. Number one, sustain sensitivity. Two, embrace interruptions. Say embrace interruptions with me, will you? Come on. Thirdly, is you've got to enlarge your perspective. You know what I love about this passage is uh, these people were spirit-filled. I I remember one time... uh, Our church is very involved in the community, helping the homeless on the front lines of prostitution with gangs. and Whatever the city needed, we were there. We'd send 100 volunteers, 200. If they needed it, if our city needed us, we'd go there. And it's easy easy at times to want the Spirit's leading in these wonderful little huddles that we have called church service. But do you want to know where your Pentecostal faith makes a huge difference? Do you want to know where you being spirit-led really builds the kingdom outside of our comfortable little buildings, outside of our huddles, outside of contexts like this, when we set the spirit loose in the world that we're part of? These Christians have said they started planning. Now, I've got to tell you, as a pastor leading today's independent culture, could you imagine saying to your people, all right, guys, we're taking an offering for what? I don't know. God just told me to take the offering. There's a famine coming. I need you to bring clothes. I need you to bring food. I need you to bring all this stuff. People would have said, man, this this leader lacks focus. But here in this one situation, what do we find? For the first time, the New Testament church 
we see new believers being missional and reaching outside of their own community. Jerusalem could have been called the mother church, and now the daughter church is taking offerings and mobilizing to support the mother church. They're looking outside of themselves. i got to tell you, one of my greatest strengths as a leader is focus. You know what my greatest weakness is? Focus. There are times that God just humbles me and shows me that he sees more than I do and he, he knows more than I do. And, and sometimes my task list doesn't get me where God wants me to be. But here in this early church, not only did they sustain sensitivity and embrace interruptions and they, they enlarged their perspective and used their gifts and their abilities, it says here, this is such a, man, this has got all the leadership stuff in it. Following the Spirit, they mobilized giftings and abilities and, and here they were, but there's, there's some, one fourth thing that you need to do. If you are going to be Spirit-driven in your life and ministry, you've got to sustain a sensitivity to the Spirit. You can't be a one-hit wonder. If you're going to be driven by the Spirit, you've got to embrace interruptions in your life and see where God's hand is in that moment. Thirdly, you've got to enlarge your perspective and realize that the Spirit leads you outside of your immediate context or your people or your club or your community to do something for Him. And lastly, we've got to guard our dependencies. The biggest hindrance, I believe, to a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is our over-dependence on, on other things. But I want you to notice three important words that reveal Paul's source of relevancy and dependency right there in Acts eleven twenty eight, through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. A lot of words can be put in that third place. The third word. Through work ethic, through intellect, through personality, through leadership, through connections, through technology, through funding. But the early church was red hot relevant because of the Spirit. Sometimes I just, I think we have an over-reliance upon ourselves. And I'm not saying that focusing on leadership and vision is not important. I'm, I'm just saying that this story shows us something different. That as leaders, if we're leaning on anything too much, it's just not healthy for us. We're looking at the world today, it seems to be in chaos. Everything's unraveling. It's like huge cultural tectonic plagues that have been grinding for years have finally shifted. And now there's a whole new reality. But, but listen to me. You are God's prophetic prescription for the future. He is raising up every single one of you. This can be your grandest hour. This is why you came to this school. This is why you followed God's passion to become more knowledgeable in the Bible. This is why you have a dependency on the Spirit. We were born for this moment. But we have to listen. Sometimes I think we not only depend upon ourselves, sometimes I think we depend too much on resources. Books and conferences and methods and research and coaching. and 
Can I be honest with you this morning? I'm tired of experts. But man, I need a lot of what's in Acts chapter 11. I'm so hungry for the Holy Spirit to bring relevance to our lives. I am so hungry to hear the Spirit's voice about what this culture needs. I'm so hungry to hear the Spirit speak to my heart and not some book or some podcast. It's important to remember that Paul's sensitivity to the Spirit is what got him where God wanted him to be, not his patterns, not his passion, and not even his current ministry. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I wrap things up this morning. And I want to put spiritual truth on the wings of humor before we turn to God. How many of you know that right about the age of 30, you start losing the ability to hear high-pitched frequencies? How many of you know that? So what I want to do this morning is I just kind of want to put a spiritual truth in the wings of humor, and, and I want to play some, some high-pitched frequencies, and I want you to raise your hand when you hear them. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Okay, this is... 8 kilohertz. Everybody, everybody in the room should hear this. Clap if you hear it. Come on. Raise your hand if you hear it. All right, good. All right, here's, here's 10 kilohertz. Raise your hand if you hear it. Awesome. All right. We lost some of you already. Just turn to that person and pray for them. 12 kilohertz. Let's hear this one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> President Higgins like, why is everyone worshiping? What's going on? If you're 50, you didn't hear that. Let's go to 15 kilohertz. This is 40. No, you do not. No, you do not. 40. One more time. No, you do not. 30. All right, let's go to 16 kilohertz. 16 kilohertz. Oh, my gosh. Okay, 17 kilohertz right here. Let's hear it. This is, this is 24 and younger. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go all the way down to 16 kilohertz right now. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll go 22 kilohertz. We'll go there. Who hears that? All right. Anyone raising their hand? Yeah, nothing was even playing. That's how. That's why. That's why. Now listen to me, I want to take the truth that we just enjoyed and I want to put that on the spiritual wings of truth. There are things that you need to know to be effective. There's a whole lot of things you need to know to be relevant. But you've got to understand right now, right this moment, some of those things, logic will not take you there. Reason will not take you there. Experience will not take you there. Education will not take you there. Expertise will not take you there. You've got to listen. Through the Spirit, Agabus prophesied that a severe famine would roll over the empire and the church began to mobilize resources. When that famine came, 
No one needed a tattoo to be relevant. No one needed skinny jeans. No one needed the right music or strobe lights or anything else. They were immediately red, hot, relevant because of the Holy Spirit. If you want more of that this morning, stand up. Stand up if you want more of that. Father, we pray, give us, let us hear. God, let us hear today. Lord, in this place, in these classrooms, in this chapel, you are raising up a prophetic, a prophetic prescription to this culture, God. And I pray that if there's anything that they take from this place, it will be an inordinate sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask this. Let's worship.